Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for tuning in today. I've got a great show. Patrick's going to join me in just a minute. And then the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt M., who's got a kind of a, his voice isn't working today. So he's questionable in the lineup, which makes me nervous. And then uh, we've got Joe Dallas coming on in hour two. He's written a book called Christians in a Cancel Culture. Should be interesting. But to get things started, my friend Patrick, uh, just about everything in his life right now is under investigation, and therefore nothing can be discussed. Patrick, welcome to Professional Radio. <laughs> nothing can be dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> I can I cannot confirm nor deny those accusations. I get it. I understand. Yep. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Uh, you survived the Thanksgiving I, feast. I, I take it. I did. It was lovely. Yeah. Don't you Don't you miss Sansabelt slacks? I do. <laughs> you know, for yes. the people, you know, I'm going to guess Wyatt will will probably be scratching the noggin at this point. Wyatt I'm doesn't saying, know what? what we're talking about, although he is a yeah, golfer. About, okay, yeah, because uh, I used to caddy for my dad, and you know, all the guys wear the Sansa belt out there, and it's sort of they're French French pants, <laughs> sans <laughs> belt, <laughs> meaning no belt required. In other words, these were. Yoga pants for men back in the day uh, that stayed up no matter how much food you ate. Yeah, and were fire you did, resistant. You didn't have to. They were uh, nearly bulletproof. Right, and I think they were wash and wear. Yeah, they, but you, yeah, they. I don't even think they came with belt loops. I, I think when they said sans a belt, they yeah. meant no, not only is a belt not required. It's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what sans means, without belt. Sans a belt, without, without belt. belt. Yeah. Without belt. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I don't recall there being belt loops on those oh, there pants. weren't. There weren't. No. Yeah. I, you know, maybe they did the, re- maybe the research they did was, do you know how much it costs to put belt loops on pants? That's the most expensive part of the pant making process. Mm-hmm. And if we could just come up with a way to get rid of the belt loops, we could make a fortune. And they said, elastic. How Just, in, yeah. How in the world did we get down this rabbit hole? Well, we had Thanksgiving. And oh, that that's was, true. You know, the, the traditional thing you would eat to the point where you had to undo your belt oh, buckle that's a true. couple of notches. That's true. Loosen the pants a little. Yeah. Okay. Loosen the pants. I don't do that anymore. Why? I I don't know. <laughs> I guess something's wrong with me. I'm not sure. No, hmm. I I you know I mean I don't eat to the point of pain anymore. Okay. It, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is my in my youth. You'll understand this. I know we've talked about this before. Went back to we were so many people, you know, feasting off of the limited amount of food. You you ate so quickly. That's true. And because you just wanted to stock up and save, and then you realized about twenty minutes later, I have made a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. then you would lay down on the floor uh, in front of the television and like chitty chitty bang bang would probably be on or yep. you know Willy Wonka. Yeah, one of those. Uh, and that would be that would be your Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Yeah. maybe some football. Yeah, yeah. All right. Over the so, weekend, I I looked a little bit into this book uh, by Doctor 
Adam Grant, and he was writing about unlocking your hidden potential. And certainly you're never too old to figure out what your hidden potential is. But I did find a couple of interesting points I thought would be fun to share. And I, I, he talked about that uh, accomplishments are, he says, people assume that accomplishments are tied to their innate abilities. Oh, I can't mm-hmm. do that. I couldn't ballroom dance. That's, yeah, I got two left feet, you know. So, so we're always saying uh, that our accomplishments or our abilities is tied to what we think we can do. And he says that's a mistake. He writes that, no, you should not, you should not expect that you need aptitude at first. And he said he qualified twice for the Junior Olympic Diving Championships, even though he couldn't for a long time even touch his toes without bending his knees. So he didn't start off saying, hey, I'm going to be the best diver ever because this is my innate ability. He said, this is something I really want to work on. And he said, there's three things you can do. One is, and this is obvious, uh, Patrick, is lean into discomfort. Well, uh, yes. Well, as a good friend of mine uh, who, you know, I had not performed for years and then I had a fear of getting back on stage because I wanted to sort of pick up where I had left off, uh, which was right there in the middle, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right around, right. I wanted to be at least as mediocre as I used to be. Uh, But uh, she said, you have to be willing to get up on stage and stink and not be very good. Yep. You have to be willing to risk that. You have to be, you know, of course. And she had a, she had a great thing to, that she added to that. She said, you know, you want to make it as good as you possibly can. But uh, it's probably not going to be anywhere near your best. It's just not. But you're never going to get to your best until you get the, you air the stink out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the other thing she said is, you know, you'll look at, if somebody were to videotape that and you looked at it years later, you'll say, wow. I've, I've grown so much since then. She says, now, if you look at it and you say, I haven't grown so much since then, then you were probably always bad and always will be bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because everybody grows. So just know that you'll look at a, you know, something and th- you look at your starting point of anything. You say, I have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I have to lean into the, it's going to be difficult you know, learning a new magic trick is, it's, it's amazing. After all these years, when I was a kid, I would, I'm sure you've had this conversation. You were learning a magic trick. You'd say, I will never learn this. I will never get it. Mm-hmm. And then one day you, you suddenly can do it. Um, and I, I, as old as I am now, I still go through the exact same experience with anything new. Yeah. I have that. I'm never going to learn this. Yeah. Never going to learn it. So you're, you have to be willing to make mistakes. And that's, uh, that's the way you make progress. So I'm trying to yeah. encourage everyone to say, you are okay to go make mistakes and you're okay to, you know, fail at something and realize that it's not the, it's not the end. It's just, uh, something that you'll learn from. Well, here's something, uh, here's something recently I've gotten very good at. Didn't start out good. Uh, but now, uh, I am really good at the grocery store self-checkout. <laughs> uh, to the point where when I get to the machine, I ask out loud, did you find everything okay? <laughs> did you check your eggs? Do mm-hmm. you want your milk in a bag, paper or plastic? Do you have a fuel saver card? That's yeah. how good I am at the self how good I ask myself you are. those questions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Didn't have that skill at first. Yeah. Forgot to ask those questions. Well, that might have something to do with point number two that Dr. Grant makes, which was keep things interesting. 
Uh, he said, while we should be wary of burnout, uh, he goes, it's just to, um, as important to avoid bore out, which is the emotional exhaustion we feel when we're chronically understimulated. That's, I, you know, and you sent me the article and I, I read it and that phrase, the bore out, really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we always think in terms of, at least I know I do, you know, uh, you worry about overstimulation, too much television, too much social media, too many electronic devices. Yep. But the opposite of that, nothing stimulates you, gets you excited to, 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 like, say, learn something new or to try something new. Uh, the, being so bored that you check out. Mm-hmm. I, I had never considered that, but but I, I see it as a very real thing. Yeah. And he also talked about people will associate procrastination with laziness, but psychologists find that procrastination is not a time management problem. It's an emotion management problem. When you procrastinate, you're not avoiding effort. You're avoiding the unpleasant feelings that the activity stirs up. Oh, boy. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> Getting back to point number one, yeah, my procrastination has always been tied to, uh, you know, you think you can do something, and uh, the only way to find out is if you do it. But if you procrastinate, you will not find, you won't be able to discover a if you're good at it, but you also won't be able to discover if you're bad at it. That's true. And so, if you, I've had a tendency to put things off to avoid the pain of finding out. Up, oh, you were wrong, buddy. This is not for you. Yeah. You know, you, uh, you, you, you can't swim. So, underwater basket weaving is bad. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you improve faster when you alternate between different skills. So, if you feel stuck on something, you shouldn't just keep hitting your head against the wall. You should just take a break and do something else. Do something you enjoy. And you can sort of, like what he said, pour your creative juices into another cup. And then you can often discover new confidence and new skills, and that can give you momentum that will help you on your uphill climb. Makes a lot of sense. Well, and you know, it's uh, like my church is doing, and and they've been doing this a a couple of years in a row, where you read the Bible over the course of a year. So it's, it's easy to look at the Bible and say that is a very large book, and I would love to read it from cover to cover, uh, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, how am I going to do that? And then somebody comes along and says, look, we're, we're kind of experts in this area, and we have a sort of a smaller way to just a little incremental bit mm-hmm. and take up 15 to 20 minutes of your day, 15 to 20 minutes. And you're going to read some of these passages, and we'll help you through them. And at the end of the year, you'll have gone through the Bible. And you say, well... I can do that. That's mm-hmm. a digestible chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my daughter learns a song on the guitar. Now, to me, to learn a song on the banjo takes, well, I have yet to learn one. But I'm, I'm hopeful that I will one day learn a song. She can do it over the course of, of a day because she's young and brilliant. But um, she just breaks it down into a, a, a measure or two and, says just she, and she'll just play it. Mm-hmm. For 15 minutes, set the instrument down, come back to it a half hour later, and it's in. It's yeah. stuck. Yeah. All right. Point number three, Patrick Albanese, is from Dr. Grant. In this article I read was, ask for advice and give it to. When we seek to get better, we often ask others for feedback, but feedback may not always be helpful, in part 
because it focuses on what we've done in the past. So sometimes it might be better to ask for advice going forward. Now, I asked Wyatt before the show started, would you rather get feedback or advice? And he he didn't uh, say one way or the other. He was split down the middle. What would you rather get, he Patrick? Did. Well, I, I mean, I, there's always a, you could take either one of them negatively, right? You can, but does one is one framed more negatively and one framed more positively? Well, we, we've discovered that the tone and delivery could be, look, buddy, a word of advice. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Sounds, tone is important. Yeah, that's pretty negative. Uh, you know, when I was doing your show, Triple Espresso, and I'm working with a director, and here you are, you've made all these choices and all these great, brilliant ideas that you have, and then somebody comes and says, yeah, that thing you're doing, I don't see that working too well. <laughs> and it's... Just it's written down as I just have a note for you. I have a note for you. Now, initially, I took the word "note" as negative. I said, "Oh, really?" <laughs> do you, you remember? Just, do you remember my note? I turn around a piece of paper and on it said, "All wrong." Yeah, but I remember you once gave me one that said "mostly wrong." And I felt <laughs> yeah, like I had you had improved. I improved. Yeah, you had improved. I had improved. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, that was actually after the first performance I did. That was the note you gave me. <laughs> so for the listeners that thinks that that's just a joke, it is not. Yeah. <laughs> he said all wrong. Yeah. But uh, you if, if you think of feedback as being something that is discussed in your past versus advice, which you could project into your future, it seems that advice uh, done lovingly would be um, the, the direction you'd want to go. Do you have yes. any advice for my next presentation? Well, I, I, and now do you, yeah, do you think timing is an issue on that? For instance, let's say, you know, right after you've done something, when somebody says, hey, I've got some feedback, you might be charged up. You might be thinking you just did, you know, it just went exactly how you wanted. Yeah. So the last thing you want to hear is something negative. And now, so you might be very closed to that, whereas maybe the next day over a cup of coffee, person says, hey, about that thing last night, Yeah, I had some ideas. Mm-hmm. You might be more and, open to it. Well, I have found I'm, I can be very much open to ideas later, you know, um, like for instance, if my wife were to make a dinner that I did not like, <laughs> I would not, I would not say during the dinner, this is not very good. Yeah. You know, uh, that could, that could be, that could hurt. I find. And you'd like eat outside six, for six, the rest six, of the week. Yeah. I find you wait six, eight months and it tends to go down a little bit easier. It's like, remember that meatloaf? <laughs> but, mm. but timing can be an issue. And obviously the way that something's delivered. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's, you know, who David Copperfield is. I, I do know him. So I have people that are friends with him and when they would go see his show, after the show, if he would meet with them, I did that. He, I know, did that once. Did he ask you what didn't you like? That's the first thing he said to me. He goes, "All right, yes. Uh, what didn't you like about the show?" That's what he asks everybody. Yeah, he doesn't care that you. I loved it. Oh, that was amazing, yeah. and you were great, and yeah. you're this. He's like, "Great, I've heard all that." Yeah. What don't you like? Is it any wonder how he became the most? famous successful magician in the history of the world yeah because he kept asking for the almost almost negative feedback what doesn't work for you yeah what didn't you like yeah well when we come back patrick i want to talk a little bit more about the uh, coach effect 
uh, we're going to discuss that. And I think there's a great spiritual principle to this. And I think it will be a great encouragement for uh, everyone who stays with the program and continues to listen because uh, Patrick and I will be back and we're going to be talking about the coach effect. That's next. Oh, there's so much sadness and desperation and loneliness, especially at Christmas time. It seems to me that there is almost like a big magnifying glass on the world, and we see problems just magnified, and we see people in their desperate situations almost worse than ever. But there is something we can do about it. And when we think of the story of Jesus, that is the story of hope. And if you have a story to tell, and you can give hope to someone this year— By sharing their story, we want you to do it. You can go do that at MyFaithRadio.com. I encourage you to do it. If you've had a hard day, I think you've come to the right place. I want to get your day with a little bit of feel-good humor and a little bit of uh, joy, I hope. Patrick Albanese is my friend. We say that a merry heart's like good medicine. And uh, we are chatting today about... um, knowing that you've probably got some hidden potential and you need to just tap into it. And we've given a couple of tips. The last one is the advice that uh, you give to others is usually the advice you need to take yourself. And the way to perform better at anything is when we give other people advice, it refers to the coach effect. That's because we're more likely to heed advice that we have already given to others. And there was a, a survey that when the high school students were assigned to give motivational advice to younger students, they went on to earn better grades themselves. So the advice you give to others is usually the advice you need to take for yourself, Patrick. Well, yeah. So I had a friend, he would always say, we teach best what we most need to learn. Amen. And it's, you know, there is something, uh, I think also true about, um, understanding something deeper and the only way to understand something fully at depth is to teach it. So, uh, for an example, if you're, I learned magic tricks better when I taught it to somebody else Mm -hmm. and I would have to explain why I did certain things a certain way, things that, you know, habits I had picked up subconsciously over the years. And somebody would say, why do you do that that Mm -hmm. way? Um, I'll use your show as an example again. Uh, you know, a couple of years into it, you guys actually had me help train other actors do the show. And so and you did this with me. Now you've got to break down all of the things that you do as this, as this character in the show. And you got a, a willing person there saying, why do you do that? Mm-hmm. And you start to realize by teaching this, I understood better what it was I was doing. And I think that's true about just about anything. You, if, you, if you're struggling with a Bible passage, start teaching it. Start learning it. Have somebody teach it to you. Then see if you can teach it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. How about so, that old trick? Yeah, let's look at the three components. <laughs> Lean into discomfort. Let's say you are really frightened by the idea of having to give a three-minute devotional in a Bible study. Let, let, let's start our, our Bible study. Can you give a three-minute devotional? And, and that just horrifies you. All right. Now, yeah. you can lean into your discomfort. And you can find a way to, to stimulate yourself in ways that you are going to learn a devotional. You're going to memorize a verse or two of scripture. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to sit down and you're going to meet a friend over coffee and say, hey, I'm working on this little devotional. Can I just present it to you? And they're going to go, of course, let's hear it. 
And now you've got a little bit of practice. You've gotten out of your comfort zone and you've Mm -hmm. practiced giving a little three-minute devotional. Maybe it's a story from Scripture. Uh, Maybe it's your testimony. But you've got something ready to go instantly. I like that a lot. And I think, you know, your, your first times doing it, you're, you know, you're going to find yourself probably in very friendly circumstances. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I know when I was before COVID, when we were getting, getting together with our small group, um, of a lot, uh, it would be, you know, you would each, we took turns, say leading off a prayer or a devotional and you say, well, I'm in a, you know, nobody in this group of these four couples and their kids is going to say, you know, that was probably the worst devotional I ever heard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you can no longer come to our house. Uh, It was a wonderful place. And then you got to see other people do things and you, you learn some things along the way. And the next thing you know, you're at a prayer breakfast maybe, or a breakfast that somebody calls for a prayer. You say, oh my, I don't really know these people very well, but but I I I could do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. That is good. Yeah. And then do you ever feel anxious when somebody asks you a question and you feel like, I don't know if I know the answer and I don't want to look stupid. And at this stage of my life, I should know that answer, but I don't. And then all of a sudden you go into a little bit of a mild discomfort, slight panic, and you try to change the subject. You do that or is it just me? <laughs> hey, can we talk about something else? Because I really... <laughs> So, in other words, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yes, but, you know, and, and uh, I, I think I'd rather be the guy that says, I don't know. You, you know, you you know the frustration of going into a store and you say, I'm looking for the carriage bolts. And, you know, the person there, and instead of saying, I don't know, they say, we don't carry those. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, you find that person again and say, the carriage bolts are in aisle seven. Just... <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> you, you, do, you, mm-hmm. you do in fact carry them and they're in aisle seven. So, you know, I, I, I've had the friends, you, you actually, I know we have a, a mutual friend that he, he was notorious. One time he actually said to me, he, we were talking about something and he was very definitive about his answer. And I said, well, I don't think that's true. And I, I had the definitive proof. It was on an actual prop that I had built personally, so I knew everything about it. And when we were done, he said, well, I'm a smart guy, so I figure my best guess is probably right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy, I would, because I think you can make you know, a, a terrible mistake, especially when it comes to biblical principles. You want to get that stuff right. Yes, you do. And I, I would rather delay with somebody say, you know something, that question's so good. <clears throat> and I want to make sure I get the answer right. And I think that, that we should uh, toss that one up the chain a little bit to somebody who could explain it better than I can. Yeah. And I, the, I would rather do that. Yeah. In this book, uh, this Hidden Potential book, he talks about if, if you want to get a pilot's license in America, you have to demonstrate that you can maneuver out of a stall and land your plane safely because effective training programs are intentionally designed to introduce new and unexpected threats. And evidence suggests that this element of surprise is critical. If stall training becomes a predictable routine, it no longer prepares pilots for real-life emergencies. You can't be ready for anything if you haven't trained for everything. 
And I think that's a great lesson too. Have you prepared and trained to be in environments and situations where you can defend your faith and share your faith regardless of what mm-hmm. condition or, or situation you're in? And it's inevitable. It's just like, you know, a comedian, a new comedian, you will tell them, you say, there will be a day. You're going to get up on stage and it's not going to be going well at all. And then some people are going to heckle you and it's going to be going worse. And uh, if you can walk off the stage that day and still want to get back up there the next day, then maybe this is for you. But the second thing is, is you have to learn how to deal with these inevitabilities that are going to come your way. You're, you're, you're going to share your faith with somebody who might put up a lot of resistance. Maybe you didn't see it coming. Or there might just be somebody that walks up to you and says, you're one of those Christians. <laughs> just so you know, I'd, I don't want to hear anything from you while we're sitting here at this lunch, okay? Um, because I, I've known, you know, I, I knew performers that were Christian magicians, and people would not go see their show specifically out of fear that there might be anything biblical in it because they didn't want to hear it at all. That's mm-hmm. a lot of resistance. Mm, it is. And one of the guys I knew welcomed that. He said, okay, happy to talk to you anytime. It didn't affect him. It didn't phase him at all. He learned how to deal with, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're right now allergic to the truth. I'm here when you're ready. Yeah. Well, when we think of Steve Martin, who you've met before, and I have admired his work for a long, long time, uh, the start of his career was riddled with fear and, and, and just this inability to get a laugh on stage. There were times that he said he'd be on stage for five minutes without a laugh. And of course, any performer knows that just would be like, I can't do this again ever. And oh, yeah. he said, I had to start doing the very hardest thing I ever had to do, and that was to start trying to write <clears throat> jokes because he said <laughs> he goes so yeah. why would i want to write my own jokes when i could just uh, you know use other people's jokes uh which is very funny <laughs> <laughs> and you know joan rivers did that she stole material when she started right and then she got an audition for a big agent and she did this killer routine and the agent said that's so-and-so's material that's my client yeah yeah, it was, she kind of, that was kind of embarrassing. She, she kind of got busted. But in the process of leaning into something uncomfortable and starting to write, it, it, you know, it improved his stand-up yeah. performance. So he went from being this guy that said, I can never get up and do this again because it's too horrifying and I'm just no good at it, to one of the you know, great comedic icons of, of our generation. Well, and, and a prolific author of so many things. It's not just you know, the jokes that he wrote, but movies and books and uh, and music, he writes music now. I know he and, does it all. Yeah, you're right. It's imagine if that spigot, if that if that potential had been stopped because he didn't lean into that discomfort. Yeah. Imagine, you know, if 60 years ago he said, you know what, it's not for me because there there are people they could get up and one joke could fail and they're filling out a job application I know. saying, you know, I'm done, I'm done. Yep. So, and yeah, they, they might be the next great guy. I know. You know? So anyway, in review, Patrick, uh, the three points yeah. we talked about that really were generated from uh, this book, Hidden Potential, by Dr. Adam Grant that I read a little bit over the weekend, just lean into whatever it is that's causing you discomfort. Um, the feeling that something is uncomfortable is a signal that you're going to learn something new. And you should pay attention to that signal and figure out what your learning style is. You know, some people are verbal. Some people like to read. Some people like to watch videos. And, you know, however you need to learn, mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. And realize yeah. that you will grow more when you 
step out of whatever comfort zone. I hate that word comfort zone, but it is uh, very apropos. And then to just to keep things mm-hmm. interesting. If you get stuck in a place and you go, I just, I'm not learning this. You're trying to memorize a verse and you go, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And you can't, and you can't take a break, go do something else that yeah. fills, fills your mind and come back to it. Your brain is going to go, Oh, I know what you were working on. I can help you get back there. And then to make sure you ask for advice. Yeah. And then when people ask you for advice, they're doing you a favor because you're going to want to do the very advice you give them. So, um, realize that when you prepare a little devotional and you you can do a three-minute devotional uh, and it's going to have biblical content and a beginning, middle, and an end, you've done a good thing. You're you're better equipped. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all great stuff. And, and, you know, and especially if it's something you enjoy. You know, I had a banjo teacher and I was struggling. He said, I got an idea. Why don't you learn songs you like? Yeah. You know? My banjo and teacher said, I have a good idea. Why don't you quit? Right. I've got a buyer for that banjo, and it's me. And the mm-hmm. transaction happens right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's all great advice. And I, I always like to leave people with a little bit of uh, knowledge. Uh, it, you know, the weather in Iowa changes a lot. I just discovered that um, uh, just after spending a single day in Iowa, that is what motivated Vivaldi to write the Four Seasons. So... <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know what you're going to you learn on the know. afternoon show. Patrick, thanks for being you on. Never know. Thanks for having me. You bet. Patrick yeah. Albanese has been my guest. We get things started on a lighter note. I hope it helped. We're going to continue the show with Pastor David Miles. He's just walking in the studio. And Wyatt M., it's time for more afternoons in just a minute. All right, it is time for the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles, Wyatt M. Wyatt may not join us today because of his voice, but uh, David, what's up for the mix today? Hey, Bill. How are hey, you doing, man? Well, you know, I'm good. Welcome. Not nice, long holiday weekend, and yeah. Yeah, you know, um, super, super, super sweet uh, time, and it was nice to have my one son back from Arizona and my entire family together and nice you know and you know um took a trip to see Tammy's folks which is my wife and had to put into practice you know put into practice the things that we talk about just you know loving people being present listening and incarnating Christ you know this is this is the season and Jesus you know he is the reason for the season but he's the reason for all of life mm-hmm. um but again, the things that we learn here on Faith Radio and the things like even what you and like Patrick talked about earlier in the call for discipleship, um, it matters. And this faith that we have in Jesus, it truly matters. And man, it's kind of weird what it is to not have the hope of Christ. There's nothing more significant. I recently watched, David, a, a funeral of a guy who uh, passed in... Uh, overseas, and the the person officiating described herself as a humanist from the humanist society, which was his request. Um, and the humanist society is a philosophy that says all you need to do in life is be a good person, and th- that was it. So, yeah, we need to share Christ. We need to share the hope that we have and try to lead them to Christ. There's a way to do that. There's a way to be loving and pray the Holy Spirit 
opens up someone's heart the way um, the way the Holy Spirit does. So you can receive that gift. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things, even what this person said, you know, we want to talk about this person leading a good life. Who's deciding what good is? Exactly. You know, and even in the Bible, when a person came to Jesus and said, you know, good teacher, and he said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. No, this so is some, Jesus talking. Yeah. Yeah. So when we begin to, like, make these assessments of what is truly good, um, God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts because, you know, what happened on Good Friday really didn't seem good at that moment, but because God's ways are higher and it led to the salvation of mankind, it truly was the good or the Hebrew word tov that gets used in the opening chapter of Genesis, that God saw the things that he made and he saw that it was good. And it Mm -hmm. repeats that because God is a good God. In Romans 3.10, David is none is righteous, not one. And Romans 3.23, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know you've got more to say on that. Well, yeah. I mean, like, we... Yeah, just got a big smile on his face, just so you know. <laughs> well, you know, this is some of the most powerful, you know, scripture. All of God's word is powerful. Um but this whole thing that none is righteous, and I mean, like, as much as we want to, like, draw the line at our own toes, I think one person, you know, years ago there was a, a survey done, and they said, like, how many people believe they were going to heaven? It was like 86%, and then they said, how many believe your neighbor's going to heaven? And it was like 19%. So <laughs> slight influ- inflated view of self. Yeah. You know, but here the Bible says that no one is righteous, not one, and we have all turned aside, and... Yes, that the wages of sin is death, and all of sin, all means all. That's all. all that all means. Yep. You know, so that's the thing that all of us have in common. And so, you know, all of us need oxygen, you know, uh, blood, water, and all of us have sinned. Mm -hmm. And all of us are in need of a Savior because we've all sinned and we fall short of God's glory. And what's so cool about this is that It goes on to say that we're justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And I love this part. This was to show God's righteousness, okay? We needed to be right with God because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins to show And it was to show his righteousness at the present time, listen to this, Bill, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What's that mean? It means that God doesn't just sweep things underneath the carpet and say, this is not an issue. Like, God's like, no. Like, the the Bible says in the Old Testament, the soul that sins will die. And, you know... Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Like man lives, man dies. Um, but what's neat about this is that that's justice, but that verse also says that he's the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so like he actually came to justify those who place their faith in Christ. So he doesn't just brush over and say this is a non-issue. He says, no, this is real. And it required the death of God's only son to make that right. And so that's really, really amazing. I agree. Now, when we start to uh, feel 
the opportunity to have a deeper conversation because when I start to have beginning of a conversation and it goes instantly deeper with a simple question, are you, are you a church guy? Do you go to church? It's a pretty simple question. Yeah. And they go, oh, no, no, I haven't gone to church in a long time. I go, yeah, what, what caused that to stop? And they'll tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really simple. But it doesn't take long. There's a lot of entry ramps to get on to start talking about your faith and to ask people questions. That's what Jesus was so good at. Yeah. One of the things that I that I really love is something that I've been doing in life. I learned from two Christian business trainers who worked with all industries. And it was a thing called form and sign. Form is an acronym meaning family, occupation, recreation, motivation, or message. So family. You know, one common thing is whether dysfunctional good or, uh, or another, but we come from families. And then occupation. What are some of the things that you do, even as a student, as a person who's at home with kids, or as a retiree? Um, and then recreation. What are some things in your free time that you like? And as you're asking those questions, you're listening for signs. Strengths for S, I is interests, G. Slow down, slow down, because you know I'm taking notes here. Yep, and I'm going to come back. But I need G- to have G- you talk slower. Okay. Signs. Signs, S for signs. Hang on, S for signs, okay. What I next? for interest. I for interest. G okay. for goals. Goals, G for goals. N for needs. N for needs. Yep. Okay. So the, Sign. F- the first part is form, F for family. Okay, family. O for occupation. Yep. R for recreation. Okay, I got that mixed up. M for motivation or I say message. Okay. So, for example, you know, I did this as a pastor because I felt I really wanted to honor people and remember their names. And, you know, Bill, if I were to give you the number, um, if I were to give you these facts, 3, 12, Wood, Hill, Curtain leaders. If I were to say that to you, you'd be like, that's a great number of facts. But if I tell you that there's 12 disciples who went with Jesus, he was crucified on a cross made of wood. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And the leaders were trying to put him to death. Those facts, they become and they make sense as it comes to be a part of what? A story. So this becomes a way of learning people's stories. So like, you meet someone, are you Minnesota native? You know, are you oldest, middle, youngest of how many siblings? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a little bit about family. And sometimes that story tells a whole bunch. Um, work, what do you do for work? Mm-hmm. Hey, how did you get into that? That's a strength or interest. Yeah. What influence did your ancestors have on your work or career decision? Mm-hmm. Go, oh, my great-grandfather was a lawyer, my dad was a lawyer, and then I was a lawyer. Yep. That comes and out quickly. It comes out quickly. And then, like, you know, what do you find most challenging? That's a goal, which mm-hmm. is a positive way of solving a problem, or a need, which is solving a negative problem. You know, recreation, building the free time that you have. What do you like to do? Yeah. You know, for fun. Yeah. Who got you into that? Your yeah. love of baseball. And so motivation, sometimes in asking and being a good listener, people will share their own story with you, and we care because God cares, and we yeah. incarnate listening. Yeah. Um, and if I, you, if you, I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if you ask a question like, do you find that you're at a crossroads in life right now? Mm-hmm. And that's a question that may, most people will go, oh, I, well, I, I guess come to think of it, I am. Yeah. And then, well, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're saying, well, you know, I'm thinking about— 
know, leaving this job and thinking about going to live in another state or, you know, they've got all kinds of things they can lay out. And all of a sudden you're in a deeper conversation. Yeah. And so when you come to the end part of that, that person saying that, it's like, hey, you know, hey, Wyatt, you mentioned this earlier about your grandparent. You mentioned, you know, that right now work is taking you out of state and you're getting ready to leave. Wyatt, do you mind if I, you know, I'm going to pray for you anyways because I'm a person who prays, but do you mind if I pray for you right now about this, this, and this? You're freaking them out right now. Yeah. yeah. And a person can say, you know, like, <laughs> like he did. You can nod. Right. But, but what am I actually praying about? I'm praying about the things that I ask questions about. That they care about. And they care about, and I listened. Yeah. And I, so I often tell people form and sign is an introvert's dream hack to conversations. I like it. I like it. All right, the Monday afternoon mix is going to take a short break. We come back. We're doing more of this. Don't go anywhere. Hi, podcast listener. You know, I'm Bill Arnold, and my theme song says, What's for dinner? And like when I'm grilling, I'm paying really close attention. And I know that ideal second to get the food off the grill. Like all good and ideal timings in life, right now would be an ideal time to be a cheerful giver to Faith Radio. Give now to support this podcast so that more people in more places might come to saving faith in Jesus and grow in their relationship and become a fully devoted follower. Click the link in the show notes or give now at myfaithradio.com. It's more Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles Wyatt M. is not speaking today because his voice is not all there, even though I think his voice is still pretty good. It is. I think he's miming. Yeah, he's doing the mime. He's in a box. He can't get out. That's just so sad. Oh, here comes the wind. Look at he's getting blown away. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, David, let's get back to this very important topic. Um, just oh, that, Bill, you were sharing something about a recent travel that you had. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that, you though. don't. I love that. Well, no, it was... It, the whole idea was when you engage people and you ask questions and... Um, you know, you, you, you get information about them. You you assume that there's going to be um, s- some level of, of reciprocity. I mean, mm-hmm. I was on a plane talking to this woman and asked her a fair amount of interesting questions. And when I got done asking questions, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was fine. So she probably didn't want to be blocked. No big mm-hmm. deal. No big yeah. deal. And, you know, one of the things about what we're talking about form and sign is is that it helps us to be conversational um, and have like little, you know, basically coat hooks in our mind of things to be able to ask, even as yeah. we formulate a story, because God is the author of that person's story, whether they know him or not yet. Yeah. And so, um, so like God intimately cares about that. And what's so sweet about that, as we were saying, as you learn people's story and they share at the end, of just saying, hey, you know what, Bill, I heard you say this. Do you mind if I pray for this about yeah. you? And and a lot of times I've had people look at me like, you pray about that? And it's like what I'm praying about is what they shared was important to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. what do we, I think like one of the things when we looked at Psalm 95 before the break for Thanksgiving, you know, the psalmist says, the Lord heard my cry. You know, what that meant for him, that the Lord heard and listened to him. 
And people today in our, you know, our very technological world that we're super connected, but people never felt so alone to really listen matters. So one of the things I love is that when people share and as the Spirit of God leads, sometimes I've been like, hey, do you mind if I pray for you about this? And as the Lord's led, do you mind if I share something with you? Again, asking permission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll say like, I wanted to share with you 21 words, you know, not blackjack, but this will revolutionize your life. And it's Romans 6, 23 in the ESV. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this is called a one-verse evangelism. It's, it's a bridge diagram. And so I'll write that verse on top of a sheet of paper, and I'll say, "Here's the, we're going to go through this. Good news, we're not going to go through every word, um, but we'll look at a couple words. And so start off with the word wages and ask the question, when you hear the word wages, what do you think? What, be, I, what I get paid to do. Right. And, you know, how often you do you get to the end of the week and you go to your employer and say, thank you so much for being willing to pay me? You never say that. You look and say, how much taxes would have <laughs> <laughs> Well, because you provided a service and they are compensating you for it. Right. And you feel, I earned that money. Right. And so that moves us the to the next word is the wages of sin. And so saying, like, not looking for a big theological, you know, explanation but the word sin, when you hear it, what does that make you think? Um, missed the mark. Um, separation. Yeah. Yeah. And you write these things down as people are saying, and you're right. Missing the mark. That's one of the words. Like mm-hmm. if you, you know, and also falling short. And it's it's like, hey, Bill, if I was making you an omelet and I had three eggs and I cracked the first two and they were okay, but the, uh, the, the third one was rotten. Yeah. I said, are you eating that omelet? Well, if you pick the rotten egg out and then make make the other two, yes. Yeah, but if I'm keeping it in there? Uh, no, thank you, David. But it's only one bad egg. The other two uh, are fine. No, no, no. I'm okay? not doing that. So there's ways in which we understand that something that's tainted. And so the idea even of serving up a tainted life to a perfect and holy God. Sure. And then going on to the word is death. What do we think of when we hear the word death? And it's like separation. Finality. Then, yep, and finality. Yeah. So then you come to this very important word in that passage, and the word is but. Because all the, the the information in the story up so far is pretty doggy. Yeah. But but says something's about to change. And so on the other side, you write another kind of ridge, like, and you put up gift. Like, what, what do you think of when you hear the word gift? I think uh, something spectacular. Yeah. Something that somebody is... is made an effort to present to me and to give, and that's an awesome thing. And let's just say, Bill, you gave me this really wonderful gift that you really poured yourself into it. And as you laid it in front of me, I said, oh, well, hey, wait a minute, Bill. And I run back and I go grab like a newly minted quarter and I come back and say, Bill, I want to give this to you. Thank Mm. you for giving me this gift. I would feel a little insulted. Yeah, because you're like, it's a gift. It's a gift, David. I don't want, how is your quarter helping this? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's... It's making me feel like, well, no, no, this is a gift. You're not getting it. You're not understanding. Right. And as, whereas early in the verse, wages are earned, a gift is freely given. Right. So then we go on to the next word, uh, God. So when you hear the word God, again, not looking for a big theological thou, though it be a th- but when you think of the word God, what do you think of? Yeah. All powerful um, creator of the universe. Yeah. And then you move on to the words eternal life. What do you think of when you hear the word eternal life? Um a destination of where you go when you die. Yeah. 
And so you're writing these things out, and now you have this conundrum because on the one side you have you have uh, wages, but on the other side you have a gift that's freely given. You have us who sin, but God who's holy and perfect. You have death being the result of sin, but God giving a gift of eternal life. So how do we bridge this divide? Well, we try things like, you know, being good enough and going to church enough. And, you know, I'll share like, hey, Bill, if you and I are both sitting on the dock of the bay, you know, with Bill Withers in San Francisco, singing old Motown, and we made the decision to swim to Hawaii, you know Mm -hmm. what? There's a good chance, like, which one of us is going to get there? Neither. Right. Yeah. Like, I might swim 400 meters and become shark food. You might make about 50 miles. Okay. But neither of us have the capacity to swim from San Francisco to Hawaii. True. And in the same way, as sinful people, we do not have the capacity to get to a holy God. So then how does this gap get bridged? And that's our next word, Christ Jesus. Mm. And you draw a cross across the bridge, and and on the one side of the cross, it helps you to understand why Christmas makes sense on the left edge and on the right edge, why the resurrection makes sense. And that Jesus, God sent his only son to die for us. And what's really amazing about this verse, as you go on to say, like, how do we bridge the gap? It's Jesus being Lord. And you draw a thing and you say, like, through confession, confessing our sins and agreeing with God, what he says about sin and about repenting, turning from our ways. And so at this point, I'll, I'll explain to a person what's amazing about this verse is that you can see the whole of the Bible in this one verse. Because on the far left, you have a time where God created a perfect world, but then sin entered into the world. And man, through his own effort, tried to make himself right with God. Then God sent his son to die on a cross, rose from the dead, and in accepting that, then there's going to come a time of eternal heaven with God. Mm-hmm. So in one verse and one illustration, you can see that. So David, this almost is a perfect uh, connection to what we talked about with Patrick in terms of trying to develop a three or to four minute devotional that you can share with someone else. This mm-hmm. is a great illustration. I think people would be wise, including myself, to restudy this uh, teaching that you've just given us. So thank you for that. Yeah, and do you want to know what's really amazing about this? Is the argument that I always have when I share this. And the argument is that people can't believe that this gospel is for them. Amen. David Miles, thank you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Dallas is going to join us. His book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. That's next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.